0: When we don't know how to respond logically and rationally, that's typically when we default to the defensiveness and the ad hominems and we take that approach. I have found in my own life personally, so I'll just speak for myself here. Sure. When I understand, when I can spot the error, it's less offensive. I don't get all heated. I can isolate in my mind what the real challenge is, not get distracted by all the other stuff and focus in on the challenge.
1: Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. This week, we'd like to thank Sally H.E., for her review. She says, found out about this podcast through an article about Ginger and Jeremy Vuolo. Enjoyed it and the other shows. Interesting. Well, hopefully interesting is in a positive sense, Sally. We do thank you for listening and leaving a review. How do we share the gospel with unbelievers when we feel ill-equipped and we don't know all the answers? How can we help someone who is experiencing doubt, or going through their own deconstruction. I invite you to join me today as I welcome a guest who, within the past two years, has blown up in the social media world, especially on TikTok. Tim Barnett defends the gospel through TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook platforms under the handle Red Pen Logic with Mr. B. His idea to defend Christianity against False and misleading content in a social media world filled with bad theology and deconstruction videos took off during the COVID shutdown. Today, he has over a million views on his videos. In today's episode, I sit down with Tim to discuss his journey from a teacher to a Christian media apologist and influencer. We also discuss the need to give a reason for our hope and how we are to respond to the challenges to our faith according to Scripture. Join us and be challenged to take a deeper dive into the Word of God and the study of apologetics so that you are better prepared to give a defense for the gospel and the hope that you have in Christ. Now, on to our candid conversation. Tim Barnett, thank you so much for taking the time in your very busy schedule to come on to Candid Conversations.
0: I'm really looking forward to this conversation.
1: Okay. I want to come to your story in a minute, but I think there's a couple of things we need to lay out because of how prevalent and how pervasive this sort of bad theology and deconstruction uh, videos and mentality and and thinking are within that social media sphere. Because I think we may know a little bit, but to the depths that you're, exposed to it and aware of it?
0: Yeah, this is a a good place to start. Um, You don't have to be on social media very long to start to be overwhelmed (laughs) by the bad ideas that are out there. Um, For example, I've only been on TikTok for one year. We started last October and I could not believe the content that's out there i mean it is i tell people it's probably the most ungodly place on the internet okay but it's also the most popular yeah social media website and so people were asking me why aren't you posting on tiktok and i thought i don't want to learn another platform right and yet there was all these videos that people were sharing with me yeah. saying what do you say to this what do you say to this what do you say to this so I hopped on there and I found a couple videos to respond to. And to my surprise, those videos received hundreds of thousands to even millions of views. Gosh. Now, uh, we can talk about the why those would go viral. But I actually think the main reason is because there just isn't a lot of thoughtful Christian responses yeah. on the platform. Yeah. And so, You're hey, unique. this guy comes on and he's going to try to give a response. I'm going to like that. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to share that. Yeah. And so just going back to your question, though, I mean, just think about all the stuff that comes through your feed, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on Twitter, and we're inundated by this and it can feel absolutely overwhelming. And what I found is that people know there's something wrong with the tweet or the video, but they aren't equipped to put their finger on exactly what the problem is. Yeah. And what we do with Red Pen Logic is we're gonna point that thing out. Maybe not all the problems, because usually there's a host of problems. Sure. But we're gonna just get you started, yeah. get you thinking.
1: I love the mentality behind that. Facebook and and Instagram and all they, they're these algorithms that sort of create echo chambers, right? So yeah. what I'm thinking is a lot of what you're saying May possibly be unknown to a lot of our listeners, because if they are of a particular generation or have certain political affiliations or whatever it may be, they may not even know that these things exist. And so where yeah. they hear about it is their children, their grandchildren. I mean, even if you're a younger person and you're conservative, you're a Christian, you may not be exposed again to the some of the arguments that are coming out. Um, maybe they encounter them at school, from a friend or or something like that. But but I, I just realized as you were describing that, I know that if I think about my feeds on social media, I really don't see those things very much. Yeah. But again, they are prevalent and they're being watched and consumed by most of the people around us. Yeah. So just kind of like exposing our people to some of that reality.
0: Yeah. So there's a couple of things going on there. The way the algorithms are set up, it's you're right. It's based on interest. So if you're interested, it, you know, TikTok will put something in front of you. Right. And if you just swipe through really quickly, then you've told the algorithm you're not interested. And so what they end up doing is kind of feeding you with more of the stuff you like than what you don't like. Right. But oftentimes you know, if you like something about God and then there's this video over here from an atheist and he's uh, talking about God interesting, and he's hashtag, you know, hashtag Christianity right. or something like that. Sure. Then all of a sudden that ends up in your feed. Yeah. And so, for example, there was a video um, that we responded to not long ago, and it was a woman who had deconstructed her faith. And what she means by that is she left her faith yeah and um, although that term can mean a lot of yes, different things, right
1: you know, i understand talk
0: about yeah and the video was titled five bits of church history that made me question my Faith," mm. and then you got all these hashtags and for whatever reason that video showed up on my feed yeah and i thought interesting and i think i'm not alone in this there's many young people scrolling through their feeds And they come across something like this—a video that causes them to question or doubt their faith. Yes, and it was amazing to me. This video had five hundred thousand views, like half a million views. Just this girl, you know, recording, you know, in her house or whatever. Here's five bits of church history that caused her to question her faith. What was amazing to me was as I watched these five bits of church history, they they weren't history at all. It was like (laughs) mythology. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is the how first bit of history was that the books of the Bible were chosen at the Council of Nicaea. Right. And I just thought, this is like Dan Brown stuff. Yeah, you right. know, this is Da Vinci code stuff. Right. This is not legitimate history. Right. And it actually caused me just to feel oh like the tragedy yeah. of this situation. Yeah. She questioned her faith and left her faith. Probably for a host of reasons, With but at least, as she says, for something that never happened, yeah, right? Like for this thing that she thinks happened but didn't.
1: No. Unreal. And it's frightening. And your heart goes out to that individual. And again, mm-hmm. we'll come back to this, but I, I do love the way that you present. You know, you're not trying to crush the person you're responding to. You feel the pain of their being lost in this or or misled mm-hmm. Or misunderstanding something, and you because you have much, very much a teacher's heart in wanting to instruct them and correct them. But then you think about the five hundred thousand who won't necessarily have a video or even a profile of any sort, but they're going to consume that, and that's laying a groundwork for them. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your background, your upbringing, and then we'll kind of get into how did you get into this world.
0: Sure, it may be helpful to know I I was raised in the church. Sure. Um, You know, when the church doors were open, we were there, that kind of thing. Small country church. Now, here's what's interesting about that, though. My faith was really shallow. So it was the exercise that we did. It was the ritual that we did Sunday morning. We did the youth group thing. Tradition. My mom was in the choir. My dad was an usher. Exactly. It was tradition. And when I got to university, it wasn't. Until university and studying physics in Toronto, where I met all these really smart people, and they weren't Christians. Yeah, and they started asking me. In fact, they were. I mean, if, for anyone who knows the city of Toronto, it's very diverse. Um, so I had friends who were Muslim, I had friends who were Jewish, yeah. I had friends who were atheists. Um, some students were international students, and I just remember a friend. Actually, he was from Russia and he asked me, he said, Tim, you're a smart guy. Why? I mean, why (laughs) do you go to church? Why are you a Christian? And I'll never forget this. You know, there's things that happen in our lives that are just embarrassing, right? Like humiliating. And we're ashamed of how we respond. And this is one of those times he said, why are you a Christian? And I said, well, because my parents are Christians. And here I am, like, I don't know if this was second year that's not away from the truth, though. Yeah. Well, that's true. But that's... It's not a good reason, though. <laughs> exactly. I. It's not a good reason. And you know what? It's... Yeah. And so I went home mm. and I started like, yeah, why am I a Christian? Yeah. And should they be Christians? You know, is this just the kind of thing that's true for me? Yeah. Or is it the kind of thing that's true for everybody? And I found guys like Richard Dawkins and I found, you know, the popular atheists of the time, at the time... But I also found guys like William Lane Craig and now my boss, Greg Kokel, and a whole bunch of other really smart Christians. And that category did not exist in my mind up until that point. Sure. Right. You'd never been exposed to it. That's right. I didn't know what apologetics. That's not like that. Well, what, what language are you speaking? Right? <laughs> when you say that word. That was not, again, not something I was familiar with. We never had an apologist come to our little church. Yeah. It was, you know, very superficial kind of preaching most of the time. Now, maybe it could be that I just wasn't paying much attention. Sure. You know what I'm saying? I what sure. maybe I just wasn't interested. So I'm not going to put it all on the shoulder of the pastor or something. But that was the impetus. That was the thing that got me rolling here. And then I discovered these Christians and I started answering questions. I didn't realize I was doing apologetics, but my friends followed up with many more questions. And I would say, I don't know. I hadn't thought of it. But I want to know. But let me find out. And so I'd go home and I should have been doing my homework, but I was doing this research. And then I'd come back and like, they, well, what about evolution, Tim? I don't know. I never thought about it. Yeah. Okay. I went home and I I was reading about creation, evolution, intelligent design, all that stuff. And so I was constructing beliefs. I was like, it wasn't like someone handed me any belief about the age of the earth. Right. I didn't even know that was a discussion. Right. Um, I didn't know about Calvinism versus Arminianism. Sure. Yeah. That wasn't even a thing in my mind. Yeah. I grew up in the church and I'm in my early 20s. And I have no idea about wow. these discussions. Wow. And I just thought, how could that be? And so I I could not give a why for my faith. Mm. And that was starting to build and starting to build. And um,
1: Yeah, and you were training yourself in some ways, too.
0: That's right. That's right. And it was with the help of really thoughtful Christians, too. You know, and I found some Christians who now I'm kind of embarrassed that I, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but it was like. You know, I was following some guys and it's like, oh, that that wasn't really a good person to follow, you know? And and so it was a bit of a journey going through that. But here's the thing. I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I was in love with teaching. I always thought I'm going to be a science teacher. I'm going to be a math teacher. And so I was on my way to do that. Then I discovered this thing that I found out was called apologetics, yeah. giving a defense for the Christian faith. And so I I've thought, been doing
1: that all these wanted, days.
0: <laughs> I want to teach this. Yeah. I want to teach this. And um we could fast forward. I worked in the in the private system for a while. I worked in the public system yeah. for a while. Yeah. And that was just really interesting to navigate as well. Um I taught biology, you know. I taught physics in the public system and uh I ended up leaving teaching. My wife said, "Tim, if you're going to make a go at this, apologist thing, yeah. let's do it." And so, if you want to go get your master's in philosophy, I'm all for it. And I thought, I love this woman. I mean, she is amazing. Yeah. And uh, she, like, we it kind of upset our lives a little bit because my plan originally going to be a teacher. And if you're a teacher in Ontario, Canada, you make good money. Sure. I know it's not the same everywhere, but here you get benefit, all that stuff. Yeah. And I was leaving that to take on debt and become a, a student. And um, it was actually taking that step of faith and just putting myself out there. I was emailing churches and whoever would let me speak, you know, and I ended up going to a teacher's convention, speaking kind of in the broom closet, you know, put the apologist in the broom closet, but the room was packed. Wow. i did a talk on what every student needs to know about science and faith oh, and wow. teachers were like i want to know about that yeah and they ended up inviting me back the next year gave me six sessions sean mcdowell was there wow. as the keynote speaker wow. he ended up watching me do one of my sessions we went out for dinner he said i want to help you and he's the guy that introduced me to stand to reason greg kokel yeah. the ministry that i now work Wow, for. That's kind of my journey. And it, it, to me, it's unbelievable. I feel like I've been just riding on a wave. You know, God's been doing so much and I'm just kind of holding on. Yeah. And, what an adventure. and of course, I've been working hard as well, but there's a sense in which when you partner with God, it's just amazing to see what he does oh, in our lives.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So that got you into that sort of apologetics world and, and the stand to reason. Uh, but then there's obviously there was a, this sort of the Lord opening the door into the the social media sphere, which is, I think, you know, as your profile describes, like it's so absolutely necessary. And we just said it earlier that it was no one was actually giving a response to these people mm-hmm. from the Christian perspective on these platforms. So, so what was it that sort of brought you into that world, into the sort of TikTok, YouTube? Environment?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I blame the pandemic, okay? Uh, So this is where I had this. Yeah, I had this idea in my mind to take the red pen out. And like I used to do when I was grading, you know, physics papers, or or math tests or whatever. And what we would do with the red pen is we would correct students work, because we wanted to see them succeed. We wanted to to see where there was a flaw in their thinking, or maybe, you know, some assumption that they were making. And Kind of expose that again, not because I want to hurt their feelings. I want to put them down. I tell people we correct teachers correct because they care. Yeah. If we didn't care, then we would just put a number or whatever at the bottom of the page. Or nothing. And we don't do that. We we will fill the page with red ink, and that's because we want them to see. We want them to do better. We want them to learn from their mistakes. Yeah. So I had this idea. What if I did this for you know? a tweet or on an Instagram post. And I just experimentally did this in the summer three years ago, I think it was. And it actually went really well. But we were so busy. I was traveling and speaking with Standard Reason. It just it just wasn't the kind of thing I could keep up. But then the pandemic hit. The world shut down and I couldn't travel to speak. I mean, in Canada, churches weren't open. Right. You could barely gather five people in your houses. I right. mean, that's the kind of rules that they had around here. So there's no opportunities to speak and you can't travel. Yeah. Okay, maybe I should try this Red Pen thing. And that's when we launched Red Pen Logic with Mr. V on Facebook, on Instagram. And soon we were on TikTok and um and it's just amazing to see how it has grown on YouTube as well. For example, on TikTok, 150,000 followers, and we launched last October, okay? Like one year ago, and there's 150,000 people following it. Unbelievable! Um, it's just, uh, I can't, again, this is like God yeah. doing what God does. You know what I'm saying? I do not want to sound prideful or anything like that because I don't know. People are like, how do you do it? And I, I say, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I am I, I, am faithful with what God has given me. I yeah. sit in front of this camera, yeah. in front of this microphone. I do my best to respond to some of the challenges that come up on that are viral videos on these platforms. Because my hope is that our video gets seen by all the people who watch that really bad video. Yeah. You know, lies travel around the world like that. You know, it's amazing. And it always is harder to get truth out there. Mm. And uh, so I'm just grateful that God is using these videos to get truth into, well, all over the world. And we get lots of encouraging notes from people in Australia, or I was actually just talking to some Christians in India before we jumped on here. Wow. wow. Um, Just amazing um, to see the impact of this little time. I mean, this thing that started... Because of the pandemic. Yeah. And I just tell you, I mean, I know the pandemic didn't happen because Mr. B needed to do red pen. Logic, you know, <laughs> you are the sole source. Yeah. But here is here is an example. I mean, we talk about this when we talk about the problem of evil. Mm. God can use evil and suffering in the world and does to produce something good. Yeah. And here is just one example. There's, I'm sure we could talk about it, all kinds of examples of where God turned it from, you know, the it was meant for evil, but yeah. God meant it for good. Yeah. And here's this good thing that came about.
1: Mm. Let's talk a little bit about the format that you use, mm-hmm. you know, for those who haven't seen, and we'll put links to um, uh, to your sites uh, in our show notes. But sure. but let's talk about the format. You had mentioned you kind of did one as a test. So was it sort of uh, you grab a tweet and then you kind of actually use your red pen to mark through the, the logical yeah. fallacies? And I, I've seen a number of your videos and I want to talk about a couple of the specific ones and, and maybe sure. some of the ones that you've had the most response to. So our audience knows, like what's sort of the, the, the format that you use? Yeah, so the very first one, uh, was summer of 2019,
0: and I just saw this um, pro-choice tweet from Heather Ann Campbell. She's a, actually an actress, comedian from "Whose Line Is It Anyway?" Right. So it had like a hundred thousand likes. Right. This pro-choice tweet, and I just thought it was so bad. The I mean, the logic right. was was horrible. Okay there's some graphic content in it. So I won't like rehash the sure. tweet here, but the essential argument was that just like you may have cells, like your skin cell, um, you know, I'm, I'm right now rubbing the back of my hand and all these skin cells have my DNA and they're falling off the back of my hand. Now, is that like mass genocide? <laughs> and the answer is no, it's not even though all these cells and she's thinking and and she equates this to the embryo well the embryo is just a cell right especially in particular the zygote that first cell when egg and sperm come together and so if it's okay for me to kill all these cells on the back of my hand um that have my dna well what about the zygote that has human dna and of course the confusion i mean the problem with this thinking is it she fails biology. In fact, that's what I told her. I gave Massively. her like an F in biology. And actually, I started taking the, I was grading them and I, I stopped doing that because I thought, you know what, this is too aggressive. F. My love my love language is sarcasm. Okay. <laughs> and I really, I really try hard. And you could see the progression from red pen when it started to where right, we are okay. now. you're trying to rein it in. I, I rein it in. And I'll be honest, when I started this, I would send them to my boss, Greg Cokel and I would send them to other colleagues and they would get out their red pen and say, Tim, you can't say this, Tim, you softly, cannot softly. say this. This is too aggressive. This is too sarcastic. This is too. And they like just kind of neutered what I was saying, yeah, you yeah. know, a little bit. But I do appreciate that because look, people are more receptive yes. when we give a soft answer. Mm. You know, Proverbs fifteen one, a soft answer is what we need to give. Um, it turns away wrath. The author of Hebrews says, but a harsh word stirs up anger.
1: Right, and we're seeing that today in 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 everywhere on the social media sphere. I mean, even that even that original twitter post that you're referencing you know that's obviously going to stir up people to anger on the opposite end and that's the desired intention in some degree
0: that's right and that's the culture we live in it's a very polarized culture yeah and when you play to your base like that which i could do and we may even have a bigger following if i and we all know people in in the political sphere who have kind of tapped into that you know we're we are sarcastic and we come at the other person really aggressively, yeah. and our whole team goes, Yeah, you know, break <laughs> them down. Head. That's right. They want blood. Yeah. And that's not our project. We want to offer again, it's about ideas, not individuals. Yes. When people see how um when you start reading some of our red pen graphics, yes. Or watching our videos, you'll notice I like to say the video says, I don't even like to say, you know, she says, or he says, I want people to really make it more impersonal. Let's just see what the idea is. Yeah. And does this idea, this criticism, this challenge, does it work? Yeah. And that's what we're about. I think that might be why people appreciate what we're doing. Yes. we're taking a different approach than, than much of the world takes
1: and like you said you're you're avoiding the ad hominem attack you know you're you're not attacking the individual but it's the argument that's presented which we need more of that today, I think more than anything uh, but we do default to the attack on the individual versus the structure of the argument or whatever it may be. And you know there's a reason for that that your listeners need to know.
0: When we don't know how to respond logically and rationally, that's typically when we default to the defensiveness yeah. and the ad hominems, and we take that approach. I have found in my own life personally, so I'll just speak for myself here. Sure. When I understand, when I can spot the error, it's less offensive. I don't get all heated. I find that now, as opposed to the past, yeah. I can talk to people. Who scream in my face, who, uh, call me names. And it actually, there's like this calming feeling that I get because I know, well, that's just an ad hominem. Yeah. That's just rhetoric. That's tangent. Yeah. I can isolate in my mind what the real challenge is, not get distracted by all the other stuff mm. and focus in on the challenge. And when you are, when you're trained to do that, it, it, it frees you from yeah. all that defensiveness and all that aggression yeah. that we have. And uh, so people often ask me, Tim, how do you sit there with a calm face listening to these videos and whatever? And it's not just because you're Canadian. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's that might be part of it. It's uh <laughs> you know the the niceness of being Canadian. No, just like everybody else, I need to keep myself under control. Yeah. Self-control is one of the fruit of the spirit, right? And I want to exercise and model that for our audience. But that doesn't come just like, I'm going to do self-control now. No, no, this is something that you have to work toward uh, with the help of the spirit. Hmm. And I want to make sure people understand they can do it too. They can do it too. When you start to understand how to think critically, then it becomes a whole lot easier to stay focused on the challenge.
1: Well, and I think that's a perfect transition segue to the, to, I guess, where we can go next, which is, you know, what do you say to the person who has heard all the arguments, but they feel like, oh, I need Tim here to help me answer this. I'm not, I'm not equipped. I don't, I don't have time to, you know, go and read all these, uh, you know, volumes of books. So, so how do you help people train, be trained up in sort of Understanding apologetics, and you know, I mean, I know the ultimate answer—knowing their Bible. But but that is a yeah. (laughs) But that's a really good question, and
0: so I got kind of two responses. One is the reason we make the videos is so you don't have to necessarily get involved. I can be almost like the middleman. So if you don't want to post something, you know, controversial to your friends, like say, you know. Type in something about, say, sexuality or gender, but you could share my video. Yeah. And my video is me speaking, not you. And so you kind of have this arm's length approach, which some people really appreciate. It's like, you know what, Tim? I would never say that on my social media. Yeah. But I'm glad you are, and I'll share what you say. And people can hate on you. And look at, I don't mind taking hate. Okay. We've got experienced quite a bit of hate. And actually, we could talk later about how to deal with that. But the second thing, is that we have a philosophy at standard reason. And that is in every conversation, I don't necessarily need to get to the gospel in every conversation. Right now that may sound strange to some people out there. Sure. Okay. Because the reason I do apologetics is to defend the gospel. I actually think of apologetics as answering gospels. Now, listener, don't look up that word. It's not, a <laughs> it's not word. in there. Okay. Uh. No, a gospel though, it helps you remember it's, it's, I'm answering obstacles to the gospel. Yeah. gospels Yeah. And that's what we're about. And so every time you see a video, it's like, Tim, why are you picking on this or picking on that? Well, first of all, I'm not picking on anything. I'm responding to something that's already out there. Yeah. And you know, why are you always talking about say homosexuality? Well, because these videos are so popular so Popular, yeah. and we need to be able to respond to some of this stuff. And for a lot of people, especially in the deconstruction world, we're seeing sexuality is a huge deal. Yeah, I can tell you just a real quick story. I went for coffee with this 14-year-old from my church. His dad kind of set it up and this 14-year-old had um, been experiencing some doubts. Mm. And here's why. He was having a discussion with one of his best friends of five years and his best friend of five years came out to him and said, I'm gay. Yeah. And then asked him, what do you think of that as a Christian? Right. And here's the, I mean, they were discussing this over text messaging, which was a bad idea, but he described with compassion and truth, the biblical view. And this friend of five years screenshotted the entire discussion mm. and shared it with everybody at school. God. And the first words from this, when we got to Tim Hortons, if people know coffee in, and yeah. in, uh, yeah. coffee shop in, in Canada. Tim Hortons we're sitting there and he says Tim I've lost all my friends. Those were his first words to me. And it was because of his view of sexuality. Mm. And he said to me Tim I've been watching TikTok videos and I see that there's this other view. Yeah. Maybe there's nothing wrong with uh, homosexual behavior. It's not a sin. I you know, I've seen all this cha- and then he said to me Tim if I accept that view I get my friends back. Mm. And so you could see how this is an issue. Like, and that's why I spend time answering these challenges Mm. because there is a temptation from the world to just compromise, to say, okay, I'm going to change, I'm going to change what the Bible says on this. Yeah. And I want to say, look, no, here's what the Bible actually teaches. Now you can be faithful to scripture. You could be faithful or not, you know, that's up to you, but here's what it actually says. So, but going back to your question, yeah. you don't have to hit home runs. All you need to do, I know it's a daunting task. I know it can be scary. Just step up to the plate and put a stone in someone's shoe. That's our motto. Yeah. And I find that that takes the burden off my shoulders. If, I, if I'm in a conversation or I'm making a TikTok video or I'm doing a red pen, I can't respond to everything. I got two minutes to respond to a one minute video because our videos are three minutes in length because yeah. TikTok used to be cut off at three minutes. Right. And then we post those everywhere. Right. Now, if I only have two minutes to respond to something, I can't say everything. Some of these require full like lectures or a series of lectures. Right. There's no no time for that. So I just want to put a stone in the listeners, in the reader's shoe. Yeah. And get them thinking. And maybe that maybe that leads them towards a little bit, one step towards truth. Yeah. One more step towards truth. And maybe they discover the truth, you know, the truth, the way, the life, you know, Jesus. So mm. that's something I would want your, your listeners to understand that they don't need to be the, you know, Billy Graham in every conversation. Right. Yeah. I usually feel inadequate. And ill equipped to be doing this. And the fact that hundreds of thousands of people are gonna watch what I say is so intimidating. Yeah, like of course. it almost is paralyzing. Yeah. I get anxiety yeah. every time, just being real honest yeah, with everybody. Yeah. I get anxiety when I go to hit post. Yeah. Because I I mean
1: Well, you've got that teenage boy who's sitting with you who's kind of counting on yeah. you to help him navigate these things. Yeah. That's right. And so that's why I do it, and it's it's again going back to we're just
0: we're just grateful for what God's what, how God's been using it.
1: Let me pick up on this, and and we can either talk about this for a little bit or or not, uh, up to you. But I'm just thinking about the the illustration you just gave us of of sitting down with this 14 year old boy who's lost his friends, and he's sitting on what he feels like is this decision of I either go this way and gain my friends. Or I go this way and I lose my friends. And I think, you know, those from an older generation who who never really had to go through that would just say, lose your friends, deal with it, move on. You know, that's badge of honor for your, you know, standing up for Christ. When I think sometimes it's not as simple as that. You know, it's almost like wear the badge of being a jerk. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. Of, of just saying, yeah, well, this is what the Bible says and you're going to hell and just you got to deal with it versus yeah. what you're trying to do, I think, with your videos, which is in no way are you giving up on the gospel. In no way are you forfeiting any of those things, but rather it's the methodology that is nuanced and different while still holding firm to the truth. How do you kind of navigate that for, you know, let's say there is a 14 year old who's going through that exact same situation right now. How do you help them navigate that well?
0: Yeah, that's good. Um I don't know if I've got it all figured out. Sure. So yeah. I'm just I'm I'm learning as I go. Yeah. But you're right. There is a sense in which I know people that have lost friends. And it had nothing to do with the offense of the gospel. It had everything to do with the offense of the person. They were offensive in their approach. They were jerks, you know, for lack of a better word. Which
1: Peter tells Um, us not to do, where he makes his apologia, his defense of the gospel, right?
0: Yeah, isn't that amazing that right after he says, give a reason for the hope that you have, he says how to do it with gentleness and respect. It's almost like Peter knew, hey, if these guys <laughs> start answering challenges, right. <laughs> that's right. So he commands us gentleness and respect. You know, Paul says the same, he says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. Right. And then he says, let your speech always be gracious, mm. seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to answer each person. This is Colossians 4, yeah. 5, and 6. That one's easier to remember for people. Four, Just five, think six. Four, yeah. five, six. Yeah. And so you have this theme of look at the gospel is offensive enough to people. We don't need to add offense to it. Yeah. And so we need to speak with truth, but also we want to make sure that we're as compassionate and understanding. Sometimes you're going to be as compassionate as possible and people will still spit in your face and right. walk away There's or whatever. And you can do at that and, point. and there's nothing you can do about that, but we ought to make it hard for them to walk away from us because they can see the love that we have yeah. for them. Yeah, There's no perfect way to do this. Um, we're all going to fall short at times, you know, but I find that my tone is really important. Yeah. And so when I record a video, I will watch it back. And I'm watching for eye rolls. Yes. I'm right. watching for right. um, sarcasm, sarcasm, tone, all those things. Yeah. There are videos that I made early on on TikTok and I watch them and it's like, I am I cringe, you know, and it's like, oh, Tim, watch your face. <laughs> yeah. You know, Greg Coco, my boss, he calls me rubber face <laughs> because, you know, when, if people watch my, expression. you know, I can make my eyebrows go all over the place right. and I like. I wear my emotions sure, on my yeah. face. Yeah, so you, my you wife says the same thing. There. She's like, when you're listening to Tim, she's like, you got to watch your face, you know? Because just listening, yeah. I get maybe this like stern look on my face. Right. Like I'm I'm just thinking about what they're saying, but there's something going on here. And again, that's something I personally need to work on. Maybe you got a smile on your face the whole time and so you're good. Right. But we all need to figure out what are the tells? What are the things that we personally need to work on so that when we are communicating, mm. it comes across as compassionate and loving and gentle as possible. Yeah, And uh, so those are a few things that I work on and, and each individual is going to be different for yeah. that.
1: No, I think that's very helpful to consider for us. Okay, let's talk a little bit about what have been the the videos that have gotten the most response that you've put out? Or rather, what were the the biggest response videos that you've responded to?
0: Yeah, so that's a good question. You know what? On YouTube, uh, it's weird how different platforms – Um, have different things that will, you know, (laughs) go viral or, or whatever. Right. Our most popular video was the last video we did, which we put out two weeks ago. And it has 180,000 views on, uh, YouTube, which is pretty good for us on YouTube. We've hit millions, uh, like 3 million on, on Facebook and, and a couple million on, uh, on TikTok. But for some reason, hitting like a million on, YouTube is really difficult yeah. I don't know how the algorithms work or whatever but it was a video where there's a a woman who's looks like a, a pastor or a priest and she's singing the word homosexual was never in the Bible and it was added in 1946 this is a very popular challenge right now there's a documentary that's coming out
1: I think she was the first lesbian ordained in the Lutheran Church if I'm not mistaken.
0: Okay. Okay. So there you go. I didn't even know her backstory. I'm just, I see this video pop up on my feed yeah. and I'm like, wow, like, I don't know if it had a million views or more. And it was like, this is, that means this is worth responding to, yes. right? Because a lot of people like this and they're being, they think it's a good argument, Right. even though there really is no argument in it. Sure. It's just, they, sure. they think it's a true assertion. right? And so let's talk about it. And so uh, a colleague of mine, Alan Schliemann, he specializes in sexuality and gender and these issues. He's like my go-to guy. When it yeah, comes right. to these topics, I'll give him a call. I usually say, is this the right track? You know, is this what you would say? Am I, you know, and it's good to have those people. Yes, it is. And so, by the way, I mean, I hope this is an encouragement to listeners as well. Mr. B does not understand it at all. He <laughs> isn't perfect. Like, you know, it I, we all need to have people yeah. we go to, Yeah. right? Right. And that's why people listen to your podcast. It's like, I need to get an education. Yeah. I want to learn from people who have thought through these issues more than I have. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's Greg Kokel giving him a call, sometimes it's Alan Schleeman or, or whoever. And uh, this particular challenge um, really com- its it's interesting. You know, the word was never in the Bible, the word homosexual. And I mean, technically, she's right. There was no English words in the original Bible. (laughs) Right. Okay. And I know that seems like an obvious like, duh. But yeah, the English Bible we read is a translation. Right. So what really the point is, what really matters is not. You know, whether uh, when it was put in there or whatever, like 1946, let's build a whole conspiracy theory around this thing. Right. No, let's just go to the Greek word that was originally used by Paul and figure out why is it in there and what it means. And it turns out people can watch the video, but it's the word and And that word, it's fascinating, is a word that Paul coined it seems. It seems like he invented this word. He took arson and koitai and put them together and made this word. And when we look at Paul's context for this word, it appears that he got it from the Levitical law. And what we see is in Leviticus 20, verse 13, I think, you have arson and koitai right next to each other. And this is the prohibition. By the way, universal prohibition against homosexual behavior yeah you shall not lie with a man as with the woman it's an abomination yeah and it goes on to say that they're both punished for it they're both put to death under that law which tells us it wasn't just like you know the claim that it was pederasty right like men with boys right. or master slave no that if it was uh in the context of assault or rape or something like that well then the passive partner the right. assaulted partner would not have been wouldn't punished. have been put to death right and we can back that up with scripture we can show that there's there's precedent here the reason is because these are two people that both are consensual because that's often the argument it wasn't right. consensual well that's you know what when it comes to scripture what they're talking about is the behavior itself yeah. and that behavior was prohibited mm. it doesn't matter if it was loving and consensual and monogamous it, well the it goes bi- against
1: creation's order that's right
0: and actually paul same guy who coined the word arsenokoitai wrote romans 1 yeah and romans 1 is very clear he doesn't use the word arsenokoitai he just describes Men with men, and actually women with women. Right. The only instance where uh, the Bible prohibits lesbianism. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, was never exploitative in the in the uh, first century right. when Paul was writing. Right. Um, so again, there's a whole case, and I've already said more than that's in the video in our little discussion because right. that's because more can always be said. Yes, of course. Um, but people don't hear that part. They yeah. just hear, "Oh man, there must be this." nefarious conspiracy because you guys are all homophobic right and the authors of the rsb translation in 1946 they were all homophobic so they changed the word maybe they were maybe they were doing their best to translate arsenikoitai and and it literally means men who bed men Mm. so they put in homosexual and i by the way i actually don't like the word homosexual as a translation Mm. just because in our mind we're, we're thinking about orientation, or a lot of people are, whereas the Bible, I think, is referring to behavior. At least yeah. that's what was talked about in Leviticus. Yes. So, I mean, we could talk about that, but it does confuse people when we use the word homosexual. right. Um, but again, in 1946, they weren't making those distinctions. Sure. People weren't talking about orientation in 1946. Right. That's more of a contemporary discussion that's going on. Very much. So that's why there probably is a better translation than the 1946 RSV. Yeah. So there you go. That's my thought process, you know, kind of going through that uh, particular challenge. And it's again, that was responding to an already viral video. And so it made our video go viral. And that same video on TikTok has almost 900,000 views. Gosh, that is So just wild, yeah.
1: What are you seeing as that role of social media in this sort of deconstruction movement, even in the last five years? It's played a huge role. Because deconstruction isn't new. Right.
0: The way, I mean, the way deconstruction, that word is applied to faith is new. Yeah. It's a word from, you know, Derrida and, and so on. But people are using it in the context of faith. So that part's new, but the concept of deconstruction, in my view, goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Yeah. I actually think deconstruction isn't just questioning your faith. Sure. It's not just experiencing doubt. We have words for experiencing doubt, and we call it experiencing doubt. Okay. (laughs) We have words for questioning your faith. It's like questioning your faith. All Right. right. Deconstruction is different, especially the way people are using it with the hashtag. Mm. Virtually, you know, the majority of people who are using it in this kind of this way that we don't like, it usually means the process of rethinking your faith without requiring scripture as a standard. Yes, right. So you've got rid of scripture. What I mean by that is you've got rid of God's revelation. And when you go back to the Garden of Eden, think about what they did. God says, don't eat from the fruit or you will surely die. And what does Satan say? Oh, you won't surely die. Right. He's like deconstructing yeah. God's word. God's word, his revelation is not the standard. You know who's the standard? You can be the standard. You can know good and evil for yourself. Yeah. And so to me, this whole deconstruction thing goes all the way back to the Garden wow. of Eden and it's it's been going on ever since. Yeah. When you think of the Jews, we write about this in our book. Think about the Jews sacrificing their children to Moloch. How does that happen? Right. How did the Jews end up sacrificing their kids? When you read scripture, yeah, God says, you should not. This is abominable to me that you would do this. It did, He says, it didn't even enter into my mind that you would do such a thing. So they didn't get the idea from God. Right. They got it from looking at the surrounding culture and thinking, our God must be like that, Mm. must like this too. Mm. And so they didn't follow scripture. They ignored scripture or rejected it. And this is what we're seeing all over the place. Mm. It's not child sacrifice. It's sexuality, it's gender, it's whatever. But the heart of the issue, these are just symptoms. The heart of the issue is we're going to, ignore scripture, reject scripture, and we're gonna be the authority, not God. Yeah. And again, that's been going on since the very beginning. (laughs)
1: Since the very beginning. Well you had mentioned at the beginning uh you're working on a book with Elisa Childers. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that, what that's gonna look like?
0: Sure. The book is on deconstruction. Yeah. And this phenomenon that we're seeing the hash I mean, the hashtag if you were to go on Instagram, for example, is used hundreds of thousands of times. And uh, there are full Instagram accounts that are trying to help you deconstruct your faith. Yeah. But th- what's amazing is these people who claim to have been Christians and now they've deconstructed and, and they want to help you, they didn't deconstruct Christianity. No. And how do I know that? Well, when I look at their posts, when I look at their tweets, this one person named Deconstructing Girl on Instagram, she says the central claim of christianity the heart of christianity is child sacrifice oh yeah and i'm just thinking are you serious so you have you know a 33 year old man who willingly yeah and said he willingly willingly down right and you're calling that i mean again this is a this is deconstructing a straw man this is not deconstructing christianity yeah uh you have people saying you know another guy got a pretty big platform i've actually called him and talked to him on zoom because we wanted to talk to some of these yeah yeah that's great and do some private conversations just to see like are we understanding this correctly yeah and he says you know jesus gave up his weekend for your sins (laughs) he gave up his weekend for your you know what like like if that's what you think jesus did that's right (laughs) Can you believe – I mean, if that's your concept of what Jesus did on the cross, oh. it's just – um so anyways, I mean, I, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, there's one guy who's an author and pastor. He's actually, I think, in Canada, and he posts on Facebook uh, how he was helping a, a woman in his congregation deconstruct mm. her faith. And she said, well, I just can't get around substitutionary atonement in Scripture. Yeah. And he says, after letting her kind of talk uh, for a while, she asked the question, so what do you do with the, these two verses that are clear substitutionary atonement verses? And he said, oh, this, this is easy. Paul was wrong.
1: Yeah, that has to be the answer that he was wrong. There's no other yeah. way to argue around it. That's right. And then he goes
0: on to say, look, I could see the shackles, you know, falling from her and how, and this is what happens when you make the Bible, your authority, it traps people. And anyways, he goes on. But my point is you have these people who this phenomenon that's happening and it's, it's, there's conferences, there's coaches, there's, there's a whole cottage industry now for if you're deconstructing. Yeah. Just like an apologist like me right. will help people defend their faith. There are deconstruction coaches out there in conferences that will help you deconstruct
1: oh, your faith. Unbelievable.
0: But not in the sense like, let's find out what's true. No, yeah. It, in a different way. They're, With one intention. That's right. They're helping you get rid of what they would call toxic theology. And that is thought, theology you don't like yeah. for the most part. I agree. There are some really toxic things that aren't Christian. that we need to get rid of, okay? That's true. That's been part of the church kind of since its inception. There's always been things that we add on.
1: Yeah, that creep in. That don't belong. Yeah.
0: That's right. That's right. And so there's nothing wrong with getting rid of those things. We prefer to use the word, and people will read about this in our book, we prefer the word reforming or reformation. Not deconstruction, reformation. Yeah, People like to say that Martin Luther and Jesus and and others were – deconstructionists right. but it's just not reformers. true he didn't yeah. do what these guys are doing right. he didn't reject scripture right. he reformed his view according to scriptures right. uh, just to the scriptures uh, famous kind of uh, reformation cry in Latin is semper reformanda right. and semper reformanda means always reforming Yeah, and so we ought to be always reforming but if that expression semper reformanda follows but it says secundum verbi day and that is according to the word of god mm. we ought to be always reforming our views toward aligning them toward yeah. conformity the word of god. with the word that's yeah, what we do 100%. as Christians.
1: oh that's great well we're looking forward to seeing that soon is there a title to it did you say you know
0: what? There there was a title, Working but on. now it's it might be changed. So <laughs> Tyndale, we're kind of going back and forth. So I can't I can't give sure. you a title at the moment. Sure, sure. Um, but uh, you know what? You'll have to have me back on. Yeah, no. 100%. Maybe what we'll do is well, we, we'll could, we could you and we could do Elisa and yeah, and we could kind of outline the the whole book. But it's due. We got to submit it to um, Tyndale January first. And hopefully you'll see it out 2023, summer earliest, probably spring, but but we'll see how quickly they can turn it around.
1: Well, we look forward to that when it does come out. Tim Barnett, I know you've got a busy schedule, so we're very grateful for you taking uh, this time to come and talk with us. And uh, we're grateful for your ministry, Red Pen Logic with Mr. B on YouTube and TikTok and Facebook and uh, probably every other social media platform. Tim Barnett, thank you so much for joining us on Candid Conversations.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun.
1: Pleasure. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect on our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for listening to and sharing our episode.